right. Welcome back, my friends, to episode 105 of the Mail Right Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. Uh, our special guests today are Brian Walker and Lynn Wheeler, uh, managing co-brokers uh, in Indianapolis uh, at Indiana's largest independent real estate firm, FC Tucker Company. Uh, they boast over 1,500 agents statewide and over 3.2 billion in sales. So I'd pay attention to what they have to say today, folks. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and before I turn things over to my co-host. Uh, I'm Brian Walker, and I co-manage with Lynn the uh, our Keystone Crossing office on the north side of Indianapolis. Uh, we're the largest office in the um, company in terms of agents and the team members. We're up to about 150 people. Um, that work out of our location here now. Um, we're closing, and this year we'll be close to half a billion dollars in sales just out of our office. So we're very excited about that. Wow. Um, I've been managing for 14 years, and uh, Lynn joined me a couple of two um, going on three years ago as my partner here, and uh, she's the best in the business. So we're very uh, excited about what we're accomplishing here now. Hi guys, I'm Lynn Wheeler. Everything that Brian mentioned, and uh, we're really excited about some of the things that are happening here, and happy to share. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us on the show today, folks. And we're going to get right into the questions in a minute. But I want to give uh, my co-host here, Jonathan Denwood, a chance to introduce himself. Oh, well, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of MailRite, which is a software, um, a bit of software that gets you leads, qualified leads from Facebook. And we also manage campaigns for you. Back to you, Thomas. And I'm Thomas J. Nelson. I'm a residential realtor here in beautiful San Diego, California, where I'm never too busy for your referrals. And you can find me on my website at thomasjnelsonrealtor.com. All right. I want to get into my questions with Lynn and Brian. Now, uh, one of the things that brought them to our show, um, not only was um, the incredible stats that they boast for their company, but um, both were co-authors of a, um, several articles on Inman News that caught our attention. And um, two of the ones that we chose for the show, uh, we're going to launch into here. The first one, which I thought was one of the most well-written articles I've ever read because it's, a, it's an age-old topic, but it was delivered in such a fresh way. And it was 10 tips for maintaining your zen during real estate's busiest season, which I, I say you could just retitle that during your real estate career because this is <laughs> great advice, uh, 365. <laughs> um, so first of all, before I get into my actual questions about um, the points that you made in the article, I wanted to know what, what brought this on. Was there something going on that you were seeing in your agents that you, you wanted to kind of address or was this just inspiration struck and you drafted an article? Well, uh, we've, one of the new things that we've tried to do this year is uh, we're working our sales meetings from quarterly themes. So we can have greater focus and deliver better content in our sales meetings. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, the theme for this quarter was very conducive to uh, agents being busy and being on the run. And, and we were thinking hard about what that does to how we function. And uh, as you get busier and you, you can get cranked up and, and uh, perform better, but then there's a point past which you can start to really burn and grind and it doesn't work as well for you. And we're in the period of the year, and that's, that was the inspiration for us was to have a meeting where we're in that uh, busy time of year where people can kind of lose it a little bit and uh, to think about ways that you can stay centered and, and um, stay emotionally stable. All right. I think, too, we see that look on people's faces right around June, May, yep. where you ask them how they're doing, and they just kind of stare at you blankly and you <laughs> tell them they're ready to lose it at any moment. 
And we start to, as managers, see more problems at that time as well with fall-throughs or um, things going wrong in the transaction. So this was just a really timely thing mm. uh, to the start of the season to get that message out for our agents and for us as managers to try to help with transactions falling through. Well, and um, actually, I should probably share it for our audience, just in case we're making an assumption everyone knows Inman News, but Inman News is the leading independent publication uh, for real estate professionals in the residential side of life. And uh, Inman is kind of the go-to source for, um, well, their own words, objective news um, and analysis. I, I know some agents that differ with that opinion, but I, I think they, they give a pretty balanced uh, delivery myself. And uh, we came across this article of yours. First of all, how did Inman pick it up? How did they discover the article? Is it something you submit to them or did they find the article somewhere else and ask you to use it? Brian and I have been writing uh on our own and then as co-authors for about a year, year and a half. Uh, so this was just one that we, you know, were absolutely confident about and passionate about at the time, as we mentioned previously, and we submit those articles once we write them to Inman and then they publish them when they see they're timely and good for the readership. Gotcha. Well, and I love the subtitle on this. It's how to keep your cool when everyone else is losing it. <laughs> so um, the first point you guys touched on, um, I, you know, it's, it's kind of becoming an epidemic that we're just such a, a digital uh, agent. Uh, and you, you talk about interact um, and the key strategy there was talk more, write less. Can you tell us a little bit about that philosophy? Yeah, I mean, everyone sees seems to use technology almost as a crutch these days and it's yeah. it's efficient and it's helpful to your business to be able to send a quick text message or an email to get something done quickly but a lot of times people can lose their voice when they're exclusively losing technology and also they lose that personal relationship your opportunity to kind of woo over the other side so our point was, you know, absolutely, you can take advantage of technology, but pick up the phone and talk to the other side. You're going to have an opportunity to be kind to them and build a relationship with them and really clearly get your point across so that it's not lost in translation and technology. And that's going to help a lot in the transaction. Gotcha. What about, um, would you would you put um, things like Skype, FaceTime, video uh, texting in more the personal side or is that still falling into the digital uh, impersonalized communication? I would say if there's an interaction back and forth verbally, mm. then it would be more personal. So Skype, you know, things like that would be acceptable uh, because you're, you're seeing that person's reaction and you're hearing the tone in their voice, but a text or an email, um, or even a digital video that's one-sided don't really accomplish that. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, your, your second point in this article uh, struck me to the core because I remember as a new agent, um, you, you talk about depersonalizing. And as listing agents, we tell our clients to depersonalize their home, but that's not what you're talking about here. And I'm going to quote your article here for a minute because I thought this was one of your most powerful points. Um, do your clients hire you? And the, with the hope and expectation that you'll use the most substantial monetary transaction of their lives to explore and express your personal emotional state. I love that. 
No, they don't. Uh, always remember that you are the principal and the transaction belongs to you. I'm, I'm, let me restate that. You are not the principal and the transaction belongs to the principals. Your advice matters, your experience and your expertise matter, but you personally don't. Wow. I loved that point because I was like, oh my God, there goes the ego. <laughs> but it's so true because we, get, we, get, we think we're putting on our cape every morning and going to save the world. Um, talk about that one because that was a huge one for me to read. Um, one of the challenges with that is you're going to find that other agents, um, are, even if you are able to really depersonalize the guy on the other side, the party on the other side, often won't and then it becomes ever harder for us to do so so it takes a lot of focus and concentration and uh, being very purposeful and thinking about the end that you're trying to accomplish rather than thinking about how you feel or how you're going to personally react to something and um, we talk to our agents about hey you know come yell at me stay cool get your job done and then you go punch a hole in the wall and do what you got to do uh, but when you do that in the moment what will happen is you'll cede control to the other party, and then mm. uh, that's a great disservice to your clients. Um, and uh, one of the ways uh, we use this as kind of a key point there, been kind of a, a, a major uh, point of emphasis for me for a very long time, is being very careful about using the word we. So yeah. uh, when you as an agent um, are talking to the other agent and you say, well, you know, we're not going to do that, or we don't like that price, or um, we're not going to fix that. Um, well, that's incorrect. You, you as the agent aren't going to do anything. The seller and the buyer are the ones that own the transaction. And um, so often we see those lines crossed as routinely. And again, you're going to have to learn to deal with other agents that are crossing that line. But it's trying to be careful, careful yourself to observe and respect that line and understand um, this isn't my transaction. It's between the buyer and the seller. I am here as an advisor and a counselor. Yeah. And, you know, and that was part of the, the, the um, article that struck me because, you know, I, I've, I've done that myself. You know, I'm in, now I'll speak to you as an agent to some brokers here. And I, I, my position is that um, I'm thinking to myself, well, my, my client and I are a team. So when I say we, I'm thinking sure. team. But when I read this article, I, it made sense that you, you really are creating the wrong impression by using that word we in, in the context that you just described. Yeah, and I think one of the dangers is, uh, or one of the things that you can avoid by getting away from the word we, or better avoid by getting away from the word we, is where if the, so I, I tell agents all the time, the fact that there's an issue between the buyer and the seller doesn't mean there's an issue between you and the other agent at all. Right. You can maintain perfect cordiality and be perfectly friendly and helpful which is the key, one of the keys to the whole thing is, are you really trying to help the other agent do their job better? Are you helping them help their client make better decisions? Often we rely on the other agent in that way, so we need to pick up that role ourselves. As soon as we start to use the word we, and I say we, and then Lynn says we, well now it is between us. Now we, we individually, personally are in there. When I say, well my seller, and Lynn says, yeah, my buyer, uh, we're back out and now we're the agents and we can discuss things on a different level that's not emotional even if uh, our buyers and sellers are just about ready to kill each other. <laughs> See, and, and that's what makes perfect sense to me about it because uh, when I initially read that it was contrary to how I used to do things but then it, went, it makes total sense when you put it that way because it allows you, like you said, to stay elevated above the drama uh, that may be going on between the two non-professionals. Um, I am going to jump around a little because I know we don't have time to go through all 10. So I'm, I'm kind of tagging on the ones that struck me 
Um, and one of the ones that um, it, it may seem like a simple uh, piece of advice, but when I read agent problems uh, or I hear agent problems, I, I do a lot of interaction on Active Rain, uh, the real estate blog site, and uh, masterminding with other agents. You can hear the problem created by the lack of expectations they set up in the beginning. And now they're dealing with the problem because the client was never led to believe anything differently. Let's talk about managing expectations, which was your third point. This is huge. I think that if there's any way in real estate to make your job easier and your client it's managed. So we we drill this home to our agents and to our to our clients all day long is look at that transaction and actually make a roadmap for yourself. Uh, what are the things that could go wrong in that transaction? Write them down, get them laid out, and then make some verbiage or some dialogue that you can have with your clients in advance, right from the very beginning, to let them know these are the top things that could go wrong. And I want you to be aware of them up front, and here's how we deal with them. So that way, when those things come up, which they inevitably will, from time to time, you look like a genius. Uh, and from that point forward, those big, huge landmine issues become not that big of an issue and just little tiny bumps that you can maneuver through pretty simply. That makes sense. Because then what you ended up doing is reviewing something you've already covered rather than explaining something that was unexpected in their mind. Um, okay. So, and, and what I'm hearing you say also is we assume too much. We assume our clients know all this stuff. Uh, we forget that this might be the first transaction they've ever done and it might be the fifth one we've done that week. Um, Absolutely. Well, I want to um, address one that... Um, there, you, I'm kind of going sequentially right now because some of the ones uh, you made were just huge. And, and I love number four, which was don't take the bait. You are under no obligation to enter the emotional state someone else is trying to put you in. I love that one. And I, I raising my hand saying I, I fall into that trap. So how do we stay out of that trap when somebody's just grinding on your 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 emotions, your feelings, your ego. I mean, you you just want to put them in their place, but that's not the what a what a professional does. Well, I think one of the keys to that, a key strategy for me anyway, and we share this with our agents, and it, it actually goes to another point uh, in the article, but that is to be entirely focused on your function or your job, which is to get the result for your client. Now, a lot of times, um, what you want, how you want to react emotionally may be very inimical to, to the getting the result that your client wants. So if you can retain that focus, and um, what I have always tried to tell myself is, uh, I don't really need the last laugh, I need the result. Mm -hmm. I, need, I need to get the, uh, the result for my client that I'm trying to achieve and trying to accomplish. That may mean, maybe the other guy feels like he got over on me. I can live with that because I know that I did my job and my clients are gonna know that, and then they're gonna send me referrals and I'm a happy man. Um, so the, the real key strategy that we had there is, and, and this is what makes it a little bit easier, is a, a lot of the time the most aggressive agents and kind of the bully, more bully types, um, if they can hit you once and you really don't re 
react. I mean, they're trying to get a reaction. Point is to get a reaction from you. So if if they realize they're plugging into a dead socket and you don't react, uh, a lot of times that's kind of the end of it, and you'll find you have a pretty easy transaction the rest of the way. Uh, sometimes they'll just keep hammering away, and that's just how they are. In which case, it can be uh, trickier and more challenging for us to maintain our even keel and uh, the attitude that we need to maintain to get our uh, client's result. But again, as long as all the focus is on the best interest of our client, we can we can sort of set aside or depersonalize our own personal feelings about it. And then afterwards, again, we'll go, you know, kick the wall or whatever we got to do to get it out. But uh, you keep it out of the transaction. Well, that's a good segue from bullying agents to crazy clients. Uh, you, <laughs> you make uh, a point of crazy ain't your problem. There's a lot of crazy people in the world and many of them buy houses. We do and everybody <laughs> Yeah, everybody's experienced those clients from time to time. Well, my question on that is, at what point do you fire a client? I mean, at how long do you remain a professional with a person like this? And at what point do you go, this guy is just sucking the joy out of me. I got to let him go. Like, how do you determine, is that a personal choice or do you think there's a professional uh, barometer that we all should be working by? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, and it changes, I think, for a lot of agents based on their experience level. When you're newer, when you're more hungry, Good you're point. willing to put up with a little bit more of that crazy than you are as an experienced agent or a high producing agent. So I think that's something that we're constantly reminding our agents and agents need to remind themselves of is you don't have to work with every client. And sometimes someone who's sucking the life out of you and taking away your positive energy actually is costing you business because yep. you're putting so much time and attention into them that you could be putting in elsewhere and getting new business from people who are going to like and respect you and be a lot more easy to deal with. Um, so it's a, it's a perfect against what this client is taking out of you and whether or not it's worth maneuvering forward. Uh, and then another thing I think that I would point out is that if you do fire a client. Did we lose them? I think we're we back. We did for a second. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you're back again. You got us? Okay. Well, yeah, we lost you at if you do fire a client. I was just saying, if you do fire a client, always take the high road. Always remember to never burn a bridge. Mm. You are the professional. You need to do so in a very professional way and for professional reasons. Uh, and you know, know that that person could come back and say things about you too. So you need to do it the best way possible. Good points. Um, you know, and that kind of segues us nicely into your point seven. Um, and this is what Brian alluded to a little bit earlier. Aim for the result, not the win. It's not about winning. It's about getting the result your client wants. And I think that's a huge point going back to maybe keeping our own egos in check and doing what's right for the client. And how, do, how does an agent go about discerning? Did, oh, did we lose them again? No, we're here. Oh, you're there. Okay. Sorry, the screen went black. How, how does a – yep. We might be having some tech issues. You guys, you guys are hearing me okay? We got you, yes. Okay, I th we might have lost Jonathan. <laughs> I don't know. Jonathan, are you still there? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Okay, sorry folks, we're, we're having a little bit of tech glitch on this end. I'm, I'm 
getting black screen, so I'm not sure if I'm talking to anyone. <laughs> Uh, let me go back to my question. So aiming for results and not the win. Um, how do you, uh, gosh, how do you, how do you put that governor on yourself sometimes as an agent? You know, let's face it. We're, we're, we're somewhat, um, ego driven where, where a lot of us are a personalities. We're competitive. It's hard not to compete with the other agent, um, so what what do you what what advice do you give an agent that that walks into your office and say hey this is a big challenge for me? I think you you sort of hit the nail on the head when you're talking about competing with the other agent and what we really have to do is is uh, as in everything really ourselves is our own measure and we have to compete with ourselves and work within ourselves. So that brings you right back to hey am I trying to win something with another agent or am I trying to do my job better than anyone else in this market can do it? And that's a that's an easy question for me to answer. Um, it doesn't mean that in those moments that we don't all experience, uh, you know, a temptation to to punch back a little bit or or snipe or whatever it is that we we feel in that moment. But the reality is, I'm constantly going to ask myself, uh, what is my priority? Am I going to try to uh, uh, somehow, you know, win this individual single conversation with someone who really isn't communicating very well with me? Let's be frank, you know, he's not being nice, or Am I trying to be one of the best professionals uh, that there is in my marketplace? We tell our agents that all day long. That's a really, I mean, that's that's not a complicated question to answer. And if you can frame it that way for yourself, it will help you conduct yourself better within the transaction to depersonalize and to think, hey, the only thing I have to do here is protect my client's interest, period, and advance my client's interest. And that's it. That's my whole job. And if we get to the end of this and this other person feels like he just beat me up and owned me, um, that's okay. Well, you know, okay, then he can go believe that, but I will know that I got my job done. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll be the one getting the referrals. Yep. Well, um, and I know we're going to go to a break in a minute, so I'm going to hit you with one last question before we go to our break. And that is um, your point number 10, which is near and dear to my heart. It's a, uh, it's a topic I lament on often because I run into so many agents that, again, they strap on that cape. And they think we give out some sort of award for 24-7, no life, no health, no day is off. Point number 10 in your article is don't burn out. Own your time. Let's talk about that. And you, again, we, we talked about before professional decisions. And you can take this to an extreme or you can yeah. do it casually. But the important point is, is that you do this in some way. Sit down and set some rules for your business. Because there are those agents who are, you know, selling 20, 30 million on their own, but they work seven days a week, you know, 12 hour days. And there is a time where people just can't handle that. And you will burn out and you will have things slip through the cracks and your business will suffer. So set some rules for your business. I know as an agent myself, my business rules were always one day a week in the evening and one weekend day I would work. And if a client asked me to work outside of those times, I'm sorry I have an appointment, but I'd love to meet with you. I'm available these days. Think about if you call a doctor's office or a dentist's office, they're not going to give you their calendar and open it up and say they're available seven days a week, 12 hours a day. You're a professional and you can run your business like a business. Um, we have some agents who go as far as leaving voicemails on their cell phones and saying that they're available during certain hours. Mm -hmm. They still answer their phone outside those hours and check voicemail, but they can pick and choose who they respond to and what's needed and what's timely. And that makes their life a lot easier 
to live and have some balance in, which keeps you a better agent in the long run. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, I, uh, you know, my, the rule in my business is I don't work Sundays and I haven't in 10 years. And the, the number one person that always tries to test that boundary is, is not my clients. It's other agents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. You know, I, uh, once in a rare while, I'll have a client maybe text me on a Sunday and say, oh, my God, I forgot it was Sunday. Like, they start apologizing. And, right. I, and I say, you know what? I don't mind breaking the, the, the veil long enough to say I will get right on this as a priority tomorrow morning just so you know I'm, you know, I'm not blowing you off here. Um, but most of my clients respect that. And, but, you know, you hit it on the head is – you have to respect your own boundaries first because if they, your clients don't see you respecting your own boundaries, if you say, hey, I don't work Sundays and every Sunday you're emailing and texting them and running oh. out and showing them property, you don't really have Sundays off and they're not going to respect that. And it, you know, and it could be whatever day of the week, uh, whatever, or I know some agents that take two half days, they can't bring themselves to take a day off, but they'll take two half days off. Mm -hmm. um, it's whatever works. I think. Um, some of that relates also Thomas to what it's such a hot topic for us and, and Lynn addressed it, but I would go back to it again, which is the principle of setting expectations. Yes. So when we initiate a relationship, for example, with a buyer and we're in a, in a buyer consultation up front, we want to lay out a whole lot of a, a set of expectations for the entire process, the buying process beginning to end so that we're eliminating surprises. So at each juncture, even if unpleasant things are happening, they're really not that surprised. There are things that we talked about and we've already discussed what might be the best reactions or best options at that point. Well, that's what expectation setting is, but we do that relationally as well. So that when we begin this uh, process with a buyer, they understand who we are, what our job is, uh, what their job is, how we're going to work together, uh, what we will and won't do. And uh, defining the, again, those boundaries very clearly of, of uh, what our, uh, that we, we don't do windows, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a limited role. <laughs> And if, and if we, you know, it's very, 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 very easy as agents, we all know this, to blow that out and to say, I'm here to do anything at any time for anyone for any reason. And um, there are a whole lot of problems with that, but uh, not least among them is uh, you're going to become a lot, instead of a lot more effective, you're going to be a lot less effective. So people will consistently respect those boundaries. They'll think more of you. They'll like you better as an agent if you, if you set the expectation and you create the boundaries. No, I wholeheartedly agree. It's, uh, you know, and it's, it's easy to jump right in and skip that initial meeting. But I think that orientation, if you will, is meeting number one. It's getting, you know, the polite ground rule set for both. What are the expectations? Here's what we do and don't do. And that way, if you don't have a fit, you're discovering it day one and maybe you can refer them to another agent, still make a referral fee rather than, you know, get down to the 11th hour where you're in escrow and all of a sudden it's unraveling on you. And now you've got time wasted, energy wasted, and potentially a deal falling apart. Absolutely. All right. Well, I know we need to go to our break, so I'm going to uh, toss it back over to Jonathan, and then uh, we'll come back and talk about uh, working in the cloud. Oh, thanks, Thomas. We're going to go for our break, and we'll be back in a second. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. We've had a great discussion with Brian Walker and Lynn Wheeler from FC 
And um, we're going on to your next article, Enigman, and on that and how to move your entire real estate business into the cloud. So how do you handle this um, subject in your own office? We have, uh, what we've taken to doing is, um, we're trying to, to become entirely paperless. And um, uh, I'm no spring chicken, and so uh, I'm not one of the young uh, tech people that grew up with the technology, but um, I've tried to wrap my arms around it as best as possible because I think that we're, as, a, as an industry, as a business, we're a little behind where we, where we could be. And it, it is an older business in general. The average age of people is a little bit older than the population in general. So uh, that's probably part of the reason. But there are a host of, of a fit. so my point is I have managed to go entirely paperless and I work without wow. using it at all. And we both have. And uh, so what we're trying to do now is um, have a system in place for our agents to help them find a way to the same place because uh, there's all kinds of efficiencies that you gain. There's a, a huge upside, and I can kind of evangelize about that all day. But um, So uh, more directly answering your question, what we've done is develop working groups here, and uh, we just started another one this morning. Uh, I think I have uh, eight people that are going to come along this time, and uh, in four or five sessions, we cover the tools that you need and, the, and systematically, step-by-step, step, how you can get from here to there. Right. I think the, um, th there's two key elements in your article, you know, um, buyer quality scanner, um, have access. I personally, not myself, they're not the cheapest, but for results and longevity, I like the Fujitsu ScanSnap um, scanners. And I, uh, when somebody asks me, I tend to recommend those. Is there a particular brand or model that you recommend to your agents, or was it too fluid, really? It's, it's a little more fluid, um, and we have really good equipment here at the office, and that's what we encourage most of them to use. So uh, we have a largely mobile sales force. We have um, room for 39 in our office, and we have 94 agents total, so we're, about, we're over 60% mobile. But even the mobile agents will come and use the facilities here, and that's all available to them. So we have extremely high-quality, durable equipment here at the office. I would not be expert enough to share ideas about the, the products. Yeah. The, only, the other brand I would recommend would be the Canon. Um, but what I would suggest is you just don't go for the cheapest model that you can buy. Look at the Amazon reviews. Um, and read some of the comments before you buy. And you make a good point. A lot of these scanners now, they actually uh, communicate directly with these cloud-based hubs that, uh, that you talk about as well, don't they? You froze up there for a second, Jonathan. Can, can you repeat that? Yeah, I often do that, folks. After <laughs> 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 uh, but no... Um, Basically, a lot of these scanners now, the modern scanners, they now communicate with um, cloud-based document storage areas, mm -hmm. don't they, like Google Drive and mm -hmm. Dropbox, don't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of them, and uh, they'll uh, function on Bluetooth, and you can scan directly into Dropbox or whatever app you want to use. So, yes, that's that it can increase your efficiency as well. Now, you also talk about the three main players in this, and what's been your experience um with these, now you talk about Google Drive, you talk about Dropbox, and then Microsoft One Cloud. Have you got any insights about um, the strengths and weaknesses of these three main players? I I have gone entirely to Dropbox for 
quite some time. And uh, so I haven't, I've looked, I've glanced at the other two. I would not be able to um, speak really well on a comparative basis with the other products uh, other than what a lot of that rely on our staff here who is really sharp technologically and some of the things that they've shared with us. But um, we're very happy with Dropbox. It seems to be the simpler system yeah. and a little more streamlined. Um, the thing that I liked about uh, Google would be if you wanted to integrate everything and go Gmail and Google Docs and Google Drive and Google World and Google Life and Google Wife or whatever, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can put it all together. Uh, so I'm sure there are some advantages there in integrating that. And the same as I, I'm an Outlook user, so uh, you know the Microsoft product had some appeal to it in that sense of being also maybe more integrated. But uh, Dropbox is so dang simple, and it's just bulletproof. So um, we've stuck with that. I totally agree with you there, actually, um, Brian. Um, that's been the basis of my experience. I use both Google Drive and Dropbox. And they're both really good products. The thing with Google Drive is its permission system is a little bit more flaky than Dropbox. Um, you get conflict trying to share things on your Google Drive a little bit more, where Dropbox, it, it's pretty um, easy to work out how you give permission to somebody to see a, a particular thing, and it's very reliable as well, isn't it? And the interface is superb, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and, and uh, love the phone app. And that's part of the secret yeah. for me in, in functioning without using paper at all. It's so easy at all times. And I can function. And I, I'm, I'm actually using the tablet and the laptop, I find, less and less. And my whole world is sort of devolving down onto this small, extremely portable device that I hardly even think of as a phone anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that is true. I, I, I think, obviously, agents on the road a lot. And uh, that's one of the great strengths of Dropbox, folks, is um, the actual apps that they have for Android and for iPhone and for tablet. They have a suite of apps that work really well. And I, I think in UX design and usability, they're the best on the market. Um, how do you deal, um, which I don't think is covered in the article, but how do you the um the devil in almost any kind of group office how do you deal with email and um the problems that can cause by um sharing documents and communication by using email uh well we we have kind of a whole host of different emails at this moment and we are switching over as a company to gmail later this year so that'll be helpful for us all to be integrated uh i think that Right now, it has been kind of that problem, like you mentioned, of just sharing back and forth and can, things can get lost. We do use DocuSign transaction rooms as an office to communicate and handle transaction, and that is super helpful because it pretty much takes task lists out of the situation or email out of the situation. Uh, it's all done through task lists and throughout the system. So you always have a record and a copy of where your transaction and your documents are. Um, we've also tried as an office, we're just getting started with this, is trying to implement Slack for communication. I was going to ask you if you've been looking at that actually. 
Yeah, as a staff and as a management team, I think that's really helpful. And to our teams, which are a big focus of our office and our company, to recommend that so that things don't get lost in translation and are always on record. That's a good app. Yeah, I think I need to explain, because I have shown it to Thomas Slack. Um, and what it is, folks, it's, um, it, it's an app that's enabled on almost all platforms. It's like Dropbox. It's got a really fantastic UX design. I wouldn't say it's the most intuitive, unitive kind of tool that you can just log in and you know exactly how to use it. You do right. need to read some of the instructions or have somebody show you um, how to use it. But the beauty of it, especially if you've got um, a lot uh, a medium length project where you've got multiple people in the organization you can set up a um a channel uh, a chat box area almost just for that project and then you can invite um, people to that area and it's a threaded conversation isn't it you have a record of it and um, people can look back at the conversation quite easily I think they are some of its main strengths. And you you can also share documentation through it as well, can't you? Yes, absolutely. And then people can integrate on that project and have everything all in one place, which is easy. Because that, that's the beauty of using a system like that, isn't it? Because, because the problem otherwise is in a kind of more fragmented email system um especially if you're the you're the brokerage you can end up with documentation and other things just fragmented all all throughout the organization can't you right yeah absolutely um are there any other technologies um that you're looking at or using that you think have re really helping the organization in its daily tasks well, what we've uh, the kind of the order of events that we've broken down for moving entirely away from paper are to be uh, we use uh, DocuSign yeah. uh, organizationally. That was a, a a huge leap for the company to 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 move into the modern era finally. <laughs> uh, but but um, so DocuSign it has every, allowed everyone to conduct their transactions without using paper at all, which is great. Um, then you need to get through your calendars, your to do list. Uh, then it's the note take, taking app, which is Evernote or uh, OneNote or uh, what's using OneNote. OneNote. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a whole host of those. Uh, there's a Google Keep, which is a, an extremely flexible um, app and has a, a, a very versatile app. It can be a note taking app. It can be a to do list. It can be it can give you reminders and function almost in a calendar fashion. So that's a really good one as well. Then you have to get to your cloud storage, which is your Dropbox or whichever product that you choose. And at that point, you have really all the tools that you need to not use paper at all. And what about calendars? You know, especially when you've got a group calendar, what's the basic technology? Are you using still Microsoft technology or Google or something else? We're using Google for the calendar. It's a lifesaver. It changed the way that we conduct our business completely. Uh, when we made that, now we've done that, you know, some time ago. Um, but we all have a coordinated calendar now. And so rather than walk around and call each other and ask, hey, can you do this now? And can you do this then? And what if we had a lunch there? Um, we all share a calendar as an office. Our staff has it. Uh, and we will just schedule each other for whatever um, priority we see come up. So we all know when the openings are. We all know when our time is occupied. And it's changed the way that we can do everything. Now, uh, we've gotten very 
busy. We're two managers with 150 people, and it's a very high ratio. So uh, we have someone that's on our staff that is now functioning. We've kind of moved her into a new position as an executive assistant, and she's kind of going to um, honcho the calendar for us and take care of that and monitor that. Um, she's going to send out uh, the reminder emails, hey, there's a meeting coming up, everybody, or hey, you have an appointment with Lynn, or hey, uh, whatever those things are, uh, we've run out of time to monitor that and keep track of that. But using that, that, a coordinated calendar, an interactive calendar that we can all share has made it possible now for uh, us to sort of export some of the duties that we had had to a third party who can take care of them for us. And that's and then, a good lesson for an agent because as a absolutely. team leader right. or as an agent with an admin, you can use that same tool to leverage your time and have more ability to do the things that you need to do on a daily basis rather than making those confirmations yourself and scheduling those appointments yourself. Have someone do it for you and go out and sell homes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that must be the, you know, the, the main reason for looking at these technologies, isn't it? Um, a question that wasn't covered um, by the article um, Web websites um, and social media. Obviously, um, <clears throat> the agents do their own social media for their own um, Twitter, Facebook, but the brokerage. Um, how do you um, deal with the overlap between what the brokerage is doing and what the individual agents are doing in advice and also technology? Is there any... Uh, and your website, are you using something like Boomtown or Corator or, or did you get your website developed independently? We're not necessarily using Boomtown or any sort of platform like that. But what we do do is as a company, our uh, company has tried to produce some social media shareables and uh, real value content that our agents can share as their own. Uh, and that's been helpful because there's not very much overlap. That personal connection that an agent is going to have on their own social media platform with their own sphere and group of friends is going to be more powerful than a company generated message out to the public. So we try to push that as much as possible of allowing our agents to share market stats or just general helpful, interesting information. This was taco week in Indianapolis this week. So we had a shareable for that. Uh, just anything that'll create excitement around that agent's sphere to try to have leverage business for them and help the company grow as well. And the company does a really good job of that and understanding what, what as you described, what some, what, where you draw the distinctions between what's appropriate for the company and what's appropriate for the agent and keeping it very agent driven. So there is a social media newsroom and it has great content. It's tremendous content, but the agents can access that at their will and use it accordingly. Yeah. Cause I, I think, do you, um, do you place a lot of advice on explaining how review sites um, getting quality reviews, being active on social media, and keeping in touch with your um, group of um, your tribe, basically, the people that know you in the community. Do you actively give a lot of advice about that? Because it, it can be a bit daunting for a lot of people entering the industry, can't it? It can be, and one of the things that we're trying to do more and be better at is to understand the science of it and to be able to share that with agents too because 
it's uh, possible. The way that we use social media personally and socially, uh, it, it can be entirely different from how you would use it effectively professionally. And in fact, there really is a sign. posts and there are things to post and to not say and things that are effective and that aren't effective and ways to brag and not brag and um, all of those things it's it's uh, it's the era of big data and so there are provably more effective things and less effective things to do and more effective approaches and less effective approaches so what we want to make sure that uh, we become a value center for our agents in the sense that uh, we, we have the science we're not just saying hey be on Facebook it's pretty cool I think a lot of people are going there it's uh, it's a lot. There's a lot more to it than that, and we want to make sure that we're helping them to see because they've got other fish to fry. If you, you know, as an agent, that's not really something that you need to probably spend a lot of your time figuring out. If there are other third parties that can figure it out for you and 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 tie it up and hand it to you in a usable fashion, that's one of the things that we want to try to do. As an agent, I think that you should be hyper conscious right now of using social media because um, it's it is so incredibly flexible, but it's free. And uh, you can use it in, uh, in broadly in two different ways. You can use it very in a very targeted sense towards your sphere and the people that you know, but you can also use it as a very much in a broadcast sense and even using things that you pay for as I mean, obviously that's, we could go all day and that's its own topic in itself, but uh, it's a vital one. And as agents, we think that you, you, uh, um, this this is another example for me where maybe the industry isn't as far ahead as it might be, and I think there are opportunities for those who leap ahead a little bit in the arena of social media to take some advantage. Yeah, I think, but also I feel that you got you got to explain to agents some coherent strategy which you are tr- trying to attempt, because if there's no uh, it doesn't seem to be any end result or no logical point in doing it. It's really difficult, especially when you get busy, to consistently keep doing it. Um, so, and in the industry, I'd, I'd, I'd just want to see if you agree that um, keeping in contact with with people in the community that know you and with previous clients or anybody that can recognize you that might become a referral resource. The industry has got a notorious reputation of not being very effective about that, has it? It has. And there you might have that opportunity on social media in a different fashion just for that reason. Um, one of our agents said last week, you know, having your Facebook feed, and it's supposed to simply click like or um, commenting quickly on something that one of your friends did or accomplished or said. Take that moment to use Facebook almost as a database of how you might contact your clients and your sphere and the people that you know. And instead of clicking like, jot down a personal note and send it to that client and say, "Hey, I." further to where you can use technology but also have that personal impact on the oh, I think that was great I think uh, we've covered a lot of that and uh, I'll throw it back to Thomas all right well we're gonna close out the audio portion of our podcast and continue with a couple minutes of bonus material for the YouTube channel uh, and Facebook live so we'll do a sign off for this episode um, but I'm gonna ask uh, Lynn and Brian to stick with us for some bonus content um, so uh, Lynn and Brian would you uh, please let people know uh, 
how to get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out to you. Yes, uh, we are with the FC Tucker Company in Indianapolis. My name is Brian Walker, and if you want to email, I'm at bwalker at talktotucker.com. Uh, you can find me probably pretty easily on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Likewise, Lynn Wheeler, FC Tucker Company. My email is lynn at lynnwheelerhomes.com. That's with two N's, and uh, easily found on Facebook or LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks and for being we love to share. We're happy to communicate with anybody. That's, that, that's one of our goals is um, – to have those interactions and share some ideas with people and hopefully we can pick some things up, learn some things ourselves. I love the givers gain attitude. <laughs> All right. And Jonathan, if people wanted to get in contact with you, how would they do that? It's really easy folks. You can get me hold on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood on the mail, right? Facebook page. Um, you could like me, um, or you can just email me at Jonathan at mail hyphen right.com and, or, or send me a, a text, a message through LinkedIn. I'm really easy to find, folks. <laughs> and I'm Thomas J. Nelson in San Diego, California, residential real estate, where I'm never too busy for your referrals. You can find me on my website, thomasjnelsonrealtor.com, social media. I'm mostly on LinkedIn and Facebook. And uh, folks, once again, I want to thank Lynn Wheeler and Brian Walker for being on our show today. I can honestly say that if I found myself in Indiana, I'd be seeking uh, your brokerage to hang my shingle at. <laughs> you guys are uh, awesome. All right. Well, uh, we're going to keep our eye out for you. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to sign off the show now and uh, continue with our YouTube content. So uh, folks, we'll um, be back next week with another episode. Be sure to download us on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, be sure to give us some comments too. We love your feedback. Thanks again. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.